Good morning. Today's Bible reading is from Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 to 13. It'll be on the screen behind me, but also on page 737 of the Blue Bibles. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you, because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways, and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not turn to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, and instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Thanks, Corinne, and good morning, everyone. If we haven't met, my name's Matt. I'm one of the pastors here at Trinity Church, Kernelite Gardens. Um, if you don't recognise the face so much, people still keep welcoming me as a newcomer because I've been away all of Term 3 at Trinity Church Tonsley, a church we planted earlier in the year. And do pop in and have a look sometime over summer if you can to say hi to our church family there. And I think what you might experience if you've been around for a while is you'll probably know half the people really well because they're very kind of dear to us and people that we've uh, sent out to start a new church there. But in God's kindness too, uh, Tonsley has seen some of the biggest newcomer numbers uh, across the network. So there's also lots of new faces that you won't know. And as we say, we send off and fracture relationships uh, with people that we dearly love for the sake of people that we haven't met yet as we plant new churches. So you can actually go and experience that uh, sometime this summer, and I hope you'll find it as encouraging as I have. Uh, Both there in Term 3 and here, we've been opening up the second half of the book of Isaiah, And last week we took a deep dive into the cross of Christ via Isaiah 52 and 53 where we saw the depths of God's love for us that at the cross, Isaiah 53 verse 5 tells us, Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. 
He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. God's grace to us in this way speaks very powerfully to our identity as dearly loved children of God, pursued by a loving father. Such knowledge of God and his plans and a right understanding of who we are uh, evokes in us a right passion for God's glory. And last week I left you with a big, question, big picture question to ponder, challenging you all to think through what, in response to God's grace, are you going to give the best of your time, creativity and energy to over the next 25 years? What habits might you seek to change today in God's strength to give yourselves more fully to Christ, his plans, his gospel, his church, so that over these next 25 years, if we have them, as some of our senior members pointed out to me last year, to make them really count. Today I want to put it to you that we and many in our world, I think, really are up for making some more sweeping changes in how we live. I think it's common to the human condition to kind of thirst for more. Uh, I've just turned uh, 47. Uh, when I preached this sermon at uh, Tonsley, I said 48. I've been under the illusion for the last few months that I'm turning 48 uh, this year, which is really great because uh, we bought a house for an online auction last year, which I think took two years off my life. And now I've got one back, uh, which is fantastic. <laughs> And something that I've noticed as I've got older uh, is that a lot more of my sentences start with, as I've gotten older, I've noticed that. (laughs) And one of the things I've noticed (laughs) is that so much of what we think is important to us in life does pass away. There are, of course, many comforts in life, many sources of joy and happy memories and great experiences. Yet alongside that, I've seen many friendships that were once so close drift apart. The promise to stay in touch when we move jobs or move houses often doesn't materialise. And we can often thirst for just a few more people in our lives who deeply know us. In my time in the finance industry, I saw people work their way up the corporate ladder for decades, working the extra hours, doing the extra study, sacrificing relationships with family along the way, people who seem so critical to the success of the business let go in their late 50s when the GFC hit and their jobs given to younger, much cheaper graduates. And years later, few remember them. We actually thirst to be needed and for our labours to make a difference. Sadly, poor mental health And degenerative disease robs so many of their future hopes and our lives can be turned upside down with a phone call from the doctor. We thirst for something more secure. All the sociologists tell us that as a society we're busier than we've ever been with stress and anxiety off the charts, yet more people than ever report feeling lonely, rushed off their feet to the point of exhaustion and feel like they're falling behind. So much of what we tell ourselves as a society that it's the brevity of life and living for today that makes it so beautiful really is just empty sentiment at the end of the day. And I think we do long 
and thirst for something so much more, something more enduring. All of those problems, I think, are common to the human condition. Yet Christians sometimes can feel all of it and then begin to see our commitment to Jesus as yet another layer of responsibility on top of all the others, responsibilities that some of our neighbours and friends do not have. And as Jesus says, we read it in the Gospels, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, our hearts can say, I trust you, Jesus, but I still thirst for that relief. Now, I trust many of you, well, some of you are travelling really well, which is great, but as a pastor of a community like this, I feel like I've had conversation after conversation lately with people who are really quite worn and worried about something. They're lonely, they're worried about a child, work, or their health is weighing on them, or there's some significant relational tension for some. They're tired and a little bit sad and think that they're the only one. A doctor uh, said to me this week that it's a running joke in the medical community that all psychiatrists do after all those years of training is you only really know how to, you have to ask two questions. The first one's, how are you doing? And the second one's, how are you really doing? <laughs> Whatever your answer, you know, if we were put on the psychiatrist's couch, nearly all of us are thirsting for more, something more enduring, something of greater worth. And whatever your starting point, our passage in Isaiah lays before us an invitation to something truly thirst-quenching and beautiful in life, a great hope for the future. But it also leads us to experiencing God's blessings today amidst the many trials and joys that will both pass away. God offers us something truly precious and of enduring value. Many of the first readers of Isaiah were thirsting for something more as they lived in exile with their nation destroyed, living in difficult times where the way forward for them as a people seemed so unclear. And into these dark days, Isaiah's ministry has to been to paint a beautiful picture of God's coming servant and his work as saviour, ruler, witness for some 15 chapters now, since we kind of hit the middle there at Isaiah 40. He calls his readers both now and then to give themselves fully to the plans and purposes of God that come forth from this servant. Now, if you've worked in sales before, you'll know it's kind of the last three feet before the counter that are the most important It's the ask at the end of the presentation. It's the call to action, which is the most critical to win a new customer. Isaiah in chapter 55 is effectively saying to us, you've heard the plan now. You know what the servant is coming to do. His scope is as saviour of the whole world and his work will extend to the farthest islands. His promises are true. He will prosper in his work. He will succeed. So, are you in? 
Isaiah seeks our commitment to the plans and purposes of God. Yet God is no salesman on commission. He's the creator of the world, calling us to rightly order our lives, to place our relationship with him at the very centre of everything and experience his blessing. And so the invitation comes, verse 1 of Isaiah 55. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on things that are not bread? And your labour on things that do not satisfy. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you'll delight in the richest of fare. Isaiah paints an image of great refreshment for humanity, like a glass of cold water when you've been working out in the sun for too long. Images of sustenance without cost, wine to gladden the heart, and the most beautiful of foods to delight in. But this is something so much more than an image of something that's good. It's actually an invitation to come and enjoy it. So if someone pulls their phone out after church today and says, oh, I've never shown you the holiday house that we've just built. And you look at it and you think, oh, that looks nice. There's a waterfront, there's a jetty, a river, a boat, a barbecue, great big table to sit around. You can appreciate it by looking at the images But it's something altogether different if they say, do you want to come with us there next long weekend and enjoy it together? It's personal. Someone wants a relationship with you and to share the blessings that they have with you. Isaiah is not simply painting an image here on God's behalf. He's extending an invitation on behalf of God for you to come and to enjoy these blessings with him. This talk of blessings without cost isn't God tackling the rising cost of living. As we saw last week, it's an invitation to be reconciled to God through the sacrificial death of his servant. It's free to us because the price has already been paid by God's servant, who Isaiah looked forward to, who we now look back to, knowing it was Jesus that Isaiah spoke of as he says the punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. Verse 3 of today's passage makes it clear that life and an everlasting covenant relationship is what's on offer here. That God will deliver on his promise to David to bring a ruler from his line that will sit on his throne forever. It was Jesus who brought this promise to bear, instituting a new an eternal covenant between God and humanity using the images of bread and wine symbolising his body and blood shed for us as we remember monthly. God promises to make this person and his people witnesses to the world. A ruler, a commander, Jesus summoning the nations to him in verses 4 and 5. Quite Mind-blowing, I would think, for the first readers of Isaiah, whose nation was, you know, the first readers either under threat or just recently destroyed. 
in an act that we're told by Isaiah was part of God's judgment against the nation. Imagine sitting there after that destruction to hear of nations that they knew not who would come running to God's servant because he'd been endowed with God's splendor. They couldn't have conceived the vastness of Africa, which we you know, took a dip into this morning with the rose, Asia, with all the believers in millennia to come who came running to Jesus from the farthest islands, the Pacific Islanders, people like us on the world's biggest island, worshipping the Lord as we have been already this morning and in our lives. But God promised it. And God keeps his promises. Yet this invitation comes to us with some urgency. Verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Now for those of you who are checking out Jesus for the first time or have been thinking about church and Jesus for the first time in a long time, it's great to have you with us today. Wonderful to look at and so many people we dearly love have been walking side by side together and to always have new people with us each and every week. We plant churches like this one and the one we planted in Unley in 2018, the one we planted in Tonsley this year because we know God has urgent news to share to his world. That God is just and holy. His presence can bear no sin at all. That not one of us can stand before him on our own merits, no matter how good. (laughs) Yet because of God's great love, he sent his servant Jesus to bear sin's penalty for us, standing in our place under God's justice. And to all those who accept Jesus' gracious offer, we are cleansed from our sin in God's sight. We can run to him and be with him for all of our days. Eternity hangs in the balance on whether you and others we proclaim this message to accept this invite. I know it's socially awkward to say, but I'd be doing you a great disservice by not pointing out You're actually in great danger each day you walk this planet without seeking the Lord. Death may come our way at any time, but, you know, on this point at least, we're all optimists at heart and think it won't come to us this day. So maybe if that's you, think about it like this. Perhaps today is the closest you'll ever come in your life to making that step to give ear and come and listen to the Lord who waits for you. Like a loving father does, God waits. Now each Sunday morning when I preach, I leave quite early and do a little sermon rewriting in the wee hours of the morning. And because of the floorboards in our house and the door being near the girls' room, I know that without fail, Poppy, my seven-year-old, will hear me leaving And she can't bear the thought of that leaving without a goodbye hug and often a tearful farewell. (laughs) So as I close the door, I know I have to go, but I always just wait a moment and listen to that sound of little footsteps running. 
because I hate the idea of Poppy just missing me and being distressed as she hears me take off in the car, which is less likely now. We did fix the muffler, uh, Ian. (laughs) But each day across the world, the invitation of God goes out to have our relationship with God restored by Jesus so that we can take our place in God's family for all eternity from this day forth. And God waits. But one day the door will close. God will call time. So seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Because God calls all people everywhere to forsake our ways that disrespect, dishonour, offend and enrage God. And let go of our thoughts of rebellion and turn to God, knowing he will show mercy and free pardon, verse 7. More on why this is necessary in a minute if you're considering Jesus. But for all of those who have already been following Jesus for some time now, a brief side note. Repentance as Christians call it, turning from sin, finding mercy and pursuing God and his ways are not just a one-time act. It's a lifetime's work until we see Jesus face to face. It's always a good time to ask, are there areas in my life where I've become complacent about sin? Have I given up? on that fight for that stubborn area of sin in my life, which, as far as I can see, we all have. There's nothing... If you're feeling tired at the moment, let me tell you, there's nothing more wearing than ongoing sin. Perhaps now is a great time to bring an area of sin into the light with a Christian friend, to pray to be reassured of God's mercy and together to ask God this day for the strength to find the refreshment in putting that area of sin to death today and each day. And for those, however, still considering Jesus' invitation, it's a pretty normal human trait to self-justify, to say to yourself, well, you know, if it's true, if there is a God who judges, I can list off my proudest moments and surely my shortcomings aren't that bad. Look at what some others do. And not see the need for God's grace, for God to show you and me mercy. Look with me at verses 8 and 9 as God says through his prophet, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Humanity from the beginning of time consistently takes good things from God and twists them a little to bring harm to ourselves and others, evoking God's right anger. Even seemingly small things. We take something good, like humour, a good laugh at something genuinely funny is great. Yet so often in our culture we use sarcasm to cut others down or make fun of others, bringing real hurt and excuse it by saying, well, I was only joking. Or take sex, a good gift from God meant to glue together 
a husband and wife for the long haul of a lifelong commitment. Yet, so many use it as a pastime, a recreational pursuit outside of that context and wonder why the long-term effect of bonding two people together then breaking that bond brings us such harm. And sadly, over recent years, we've turned it into a spectator sport as well. Internet porn sites are 4% of the internet, yet 30% of the traffic. Training us to look at our partners if we have them with dissatisfaction or to question the high value God places on those who remain single and celibate. Or wine, which is a good, good gift from God to gladden the heart of humanity as a symbol used so often throughout the Bible of God's blessing and to cue celebration, like in today's passage. Yet we take too much of it at the expense of our health or worth, worse, it fuels conflict and abuse in the home, bringing great harm. God's ways are higher than our ways. Our thoughts on how to live life to the full are not God's thoughts. His ways are higher. If you're considering Jesus, don't be unaware that Christians are painfully aware that as our world sort of publicly embraces views on life that diverge from God's ways, that many of the Christian ways seem so many to be restrictive or repressive. Many mock or sit in judgment upon God as they see it as progress to erase our Christian thought and heritage from the public realm. Now, this is not new to God. His thoughts and ways have always been different. If you're considering Jesus' invitation, it's normal to have a list of objections about God and his ways. I certainly had them. Some may well be misconceptions. Issues of sexuality and gender are big at the moment. And let me just say, God is not calling Christians to hate anyone. Quite the opposite, really. God calls all people to lovingly serve and to sacrifice for the good of every other person on the planet to hear the great news of Jesus that all of us can be reconciled to God. God lovingly pursues. God's commitment to equality is higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He calls all people everywhere to forsake our ways and thoughts because his ways and thoughts are always higher. Whatever issue you have with God, perhaps a way forward is to reframe that objection. Whenever you see God setting a boundary in life as he shares his law or a setting or a context or containing the amount of something, think about it like this. God, as he does so, isn't laying down an arbitrary law to stumble upon. Perhaps reframe the question and ask yourself, how is God protecting something that he loves as he shares his thoughts and his ways? Verses 2 and 3, listen. Listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come and listen to me that you might live, says our God. Verses 10 to 11 now point out the obvious. 
If we are to know God's thoughts and ways, he needs to reveal them to us. And like rain coming down from the heavens, bringing life and green shoots or buds and flowers to a parched earth, so is my word, says God, that goes out from my mouth. It will not return empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. The next best step for anyone to open to God's invitation is to start reading God's word. As a church, we have a a great resource that uh, we use. It's called the Word One-to-One. That's a very great way and simple way for um, a Christian and and someone who'd like to explore more to read through an account of Jesus' life together. I just noticed this way this week that we'd given away all uh, copies of that to people looking to read uh, that with friends. So we ordered a whole new batch, fresh in, new format. (laughs) Looks great and it's very helpful to use and I'm happy to show you how to do so. But that's the way forward. God promises for those who want to know his ways and thoughts that he will reveal himself through his word and his word will not return to him empty. So if that's you, just on the response slip, just tick the box, I'd like to find out more about Jesus, pop it in the tin at the back of church and we'll be in touch. And for the Christian, I want to encourage you to keep thirsting for God's word. Draw strength from it. Discuss it together. Grow in your understanding of it. Let others share their insights and apply it to your heart as you do to theirs. It does achieve the purpose for which God gave it to us. And as Isaiah finishes this great invitation with a beautiful picture, it's one of all creation bursting into song with celebration, with all evil having been expunged from God's world, replaced only with beauty. Humanity always strives to leave behind a legacy, some great sign of our achievements, a family, a building, a company. Yet what God creates will last forever. A people for himself who have accepted his invitation, an offer of reconciliation and blessing without cost. And it's this joyful host of people from all nations coming to experience this blessing and for all time and all of its fullness, that is the legacy God chooses to display his greatness. As our last three lines of Isaiah 55 say, this will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. So what's the challenge that we face today? Why do so many of us feel so worn? Why does the joy of this passage not translate to a deep and abiding sense of calm and thankfulness to God for more of us? I think that the vast majority of the church in the West today, the Trinity Network, us here at Trinity Church Candlelight Gardens, have fallen for the lie that we can have it all. The main task Isaiah was given to address, the underlying reason for God bringing his disciplining punishment was, that came upon the people in, in Isaiah's day was idolatry. The people would go to the... I didn't realise this until I really studied Isaiah. The people would go and pray to God at the temple, do the appointed feasts for sure, 
But then they'd go home and pray to the God of fertility, the God of fortune, the God of the harvest, looking for blessing. I think many of us, myself included, do the modern day equivalent to some degree. We give the best of our resources to the things of this world, our work, our family, our experiences, looking for them to satisfy. Now, please hear me say they're all good things in their right place, gifts from God. But our ambition, our creativity, our gifts, our entrepreneurial flair are so often spent and exhausted to build our own renown. We spend ourselves on what is not bread. We exhaust ourselves on things that are never meant to deeply satisfy us. And I think we can kind of get into that pattern where we come to God exhausted, walk in the door looking for a mildly entertaining spiritual pick-me-up to help us press on. I think that's the very central tension to Isaiah, that the ultimate purpose of God's grace is to rightly order our lives to have God at the centre, to turn our ambitions away from ourselves, to give the first and the best of ourselves over to God and his purposes and to listen to him. God's glory, of course, isn't contingent on us, as if he needs anything from us. But the solution, to borrow a a phrase from the great songwriter, Jamie Seafang, is to rather let God's glory be big in our hearts. That's the blank if you're filling in uh, the notes there. I'll repeat it for you. Letting, there's a lot of blanks there. I can see you writing, Lex. Letting God's glory <laughs> be big in our hearts. And to give ourselves joyfully to God and his purposes in our lives today, recognising that our world will always seek to take the best of our energy, our gifts, our creativity for other purposes and exhaust us. And that actually we can't have it all. For some of us it might mean that we choose not to do the extra study on top of full-time work so that we can have more energy to invest in the things of God. Put the SMS line there today because I realise I'm... um, poking and prodding in a few areas, feel free to light up the SMS, the numbers on screen. For some of us, we might need to be part of one less group or have our kids involved in one less thing if we have them to prioritise meeting together, to encourage one another, to serve God and his church. We might decide at these times not to do the big renovation on the house or dial it back a bit to something more modest so we can support people like the Purdies in South America or the Rose, as we've heard, in South Africa. I could give lots of examples, but whatever it might look like for you, I really want to say to you as your pastor, don't spend all of your energy or even the first and best of your energy on things that don't sustain you. Don't exhaust yourself on things that will not satisfy Say no to the lie that we can have it all. Dial it back so that God can truly take up the central place in our lives. We've been trying to encourage uh, people along to our Where To Next 
uh, dinners for the last few weeks now and we're, we're almost up to about 60% of people who have either come or uh, planning to come in the next 11 days. Four more opportunities to join us. Let me have a crack to ad-lib. I'm always trying to think of different ways to impress on why we've been speaking about it so much and why we think it's so important. I, let me just say, for next year, 2023, I think whatever happens, you'll probably speak about it for the next 10 years as a Christian, as being a big moment in our life together. Now, you'll either be speaking about it as a time where we saw some great opportunities and some pretty sobering challenges, yet came together as God's people and saw God do amazing things as we came to him dependently in prayer, we'll either be telling that great story for the rest of our lives or we'll be telling the opposite story, saying, wow, I never thought we would take such a step backwards when our world got rattled a little bit as cost of living increases came, as we kind of processed all the things going on in our lives at the moment. I think our chances of staying the same next year are almost zero. We're either going to go one way or the other. And now I know you won't fully understand that, which is why we want to talk and have been inviting you to these where to next dinners. Because I think together, prayerfully dependent on God, we can totally be telling that greater story Yet if we're a bit distracted and only a few of us kind of own that, I think we'll be surprised by how bad the story could be. So I don't know if I can say it any clearer than that. (laughs) There's a QR code on the back of the things. We'd love to see every house. I realise life is busy. There's lots of things on in the calendar. We put extra dates in there to make it a little bit easier. Uh, And because we think it's so important, um, we will sort of gently follow you up uh, tomorrow. So save me the phone call or the text hit the QR code, there's four opportunities, Tuesday, Friday lunch, next Sunday night, the Wednesday after that. But I think what we've been looking at here in Isaiah today is the central tension I'm concerned about as your pastor. Will we have come through the last two and a half years where we all thought, wasn't it nice that the calendar got cleared and we could plan life how we wanted to? And we're going to put God at the centre. Or will we come through and rebuild and do the opposite? I think that's at the heart of where we stand right now as a church in many of our lives. And we'd love to talk about it more. Because I'd love you to be the people and I'd love to be one of the people looking back saying, we saw 2023, but we gave the best of our time, our creativity, our flair, our love concern our first fruits to God out of concern for other people. We did turn our ambitions away from ourselves. Now, please don't get me wrong, I'm not using ambition as a negative term. There's lots of great things to be ambitious about in life, if you are. I just think the best thing to be ambitious about is what God's doing in his church and dependent on him seeking his blessing together. But just imagine if we kind of rework things a little from this tired and worn moment that I know many of you are feeling. Imagine walking in here on a Sunday to a gathering of God's people with real energy to give and to seeing out of passion, not duty. 
to have space for new people in your lives, looking for real relationships in a community that serves God together for his glory. With time in our calendar to invest in those around us who don't know Jesus, to form deeper and truer relationships, to serve them, to mix our circle of friends, introducing them to your church family over a barbecue, or have time to share a coffee, meals, and something of the gospel of Jesus. The extraordinary good news of an invitation to life with God without cost, because Jesus has paid the price for us. God at the center of your life, listening to him, turning from sin, getting to know and love God's ways and thoughts, trusting in the power of God's word, knowing real joy and true peace, investing the first and best part of us in God's ways that you might really want to give yourself to for the next 25 years if you have them. That is where satisfaction and true life is to be found. That is the invitation God sends out across the world and to each of us, either for the first time or to renew and refresh ourselves in that this day. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. I'm going to lead us in prayer and I'll finish off with some of the words from Isaiah 55. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness to us uh, in Christ. We thank you for uh, this great offer of salvation uh, that was always your plan that you brought uh, to fruition uh, in Christ as he died on the cross for our sins and rose again to proclaim your victory over death and that we can, uh, any person on the planet uh, can come to Jesus in repentance and be truly cleansed from their sins so that we can run to you like a loving father knowing that we are safe in your arms each day. Please help us, Lord, in the many and varied ways that we might be challenged to put you and your purposes first in our lives. May these great words of the close of Isaiah 55 be promises that we look forward to, that we will one day uh, experience in all their fullness, but also in your kindness experience uh, in some measure, many days in between, that so Isaiah 55 verse 12 says that we will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you. All the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. Instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. And referring to the people of God that you have created, you say that this... These people will be for your renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Please help us to treasure that promise in our hearts and to live each day from you from this day until we see that day in all of its fullness. In Jesus' precious and very powerful name we pray. Amen.